Welcome to Ask the Therapist, a podcast for everyone who's fascinated about how our minds work, mental health and all things therapy. Ask the Therapist is hosted by me, Sarah Rees, a mental health nurse, cognitive behavioural therapist and author of the CBT Journal. I've over 20 years experience of working in the field of mental health and I hope to educate, entertain and simplify all things mental health and therapy. So sit back and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Ask the Therapist. I hope you are enjoying the podcast so far and if you are don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can be kept up to date with the latest episodes as they are released. Reviews are also warmly appreciated, they really do make a difference in the reach of the show. Episodes are released on the first and last Monday of each month. In this episode I talk with Dr Hannah Taylor. I've recently gotten to know Hannah after we were introduced by our joint clinical supervisor, Dr. Mary Welford, who is actually my guest on the next episode, and I look forward to sharing that interview with you. Hannah is a clinical psychologist who's recently left the NHS to move into private practice, and alongside this, she runs really popular wellbeing workshops locally. I meet with Hannah on a monthly basis over a coffee for some peer supervision and support, We talk about where we are in our businesses and any clinical issues and it's been really lovely to get to know Hannah. It did take us about 20 minutes to get into the interview because of some giggling issues which we eventually managed to resolve so we got there in the end and I know you'll enjoy the episode as much as I did. Hannah talks about her career path to date, the psychological therapies that she delivers which are cognitive behavioural therapy, compassion focused therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy. Hannah also talks about some of the psychological tools she has personally found beneficial, which she now helps people to develop themselves in order to improve their own psychological health. I do hope you enjoy the episode. So welcome, Hannah. So could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your career journey to date? So, yeah, my career journey to date, it's felt like quite a long one to get to this Mm. point, actually. So I originally had an interest in working in mental health following my undergraduate degree at university, which was in psychology. Um, Straight from this, I went to work in the psychiatric hospital locally um, as a nursing assistant. And it was to give me an idea about kind of whether I wanted to work in mental health and what I might want to do in my career path. In order to train as a clinical psychologist, you do have to have quite a lot of experience working with clinical groups. Mm. So um, it was quite a jump in at deep end, actually, working on the wards. But it yeah, was it's quite a challenging environment as well. Yeah, and, and straight out of uni, you know, it was, I've never seen kind of anything like it before, really. Mm. So I found it really hard emotionally as well, going mm. into that environment and being around people who were really unwell and really struggling. And although it was a challenge, I think it really sparked an interest in me in terms of kind of um, advocating for people with mental health difficulties, mm-hmm. working and understanding and make, helping them to make sense of their difficulties. And I suppose to give them in that moment that they're kind of the best that they can have in terms of their experiences, because it's, they're not nice places to be for no, anyone. No. And so, yeah, so I kind of felt that it, it, it kind of sparked a bit of a fire in me in terms of feeling that it was important to advocate and help people who were struggling and who got to that point where they were really unwell and so from there I kind of then worked as an assistant psychologist in various kind of services and community mental health teams and uh, psychosis services in order to try and get more experience to train as a psychologist yeah um studied did some did some more study um, looking into psychosis and did a PhD in psychosis 
and then finally got on the clinical training course, which um, is quite a challenge in itself. Oh my gosh, isn't it? yeah, it took a couple of attempts. Did but, it? Um, yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, it's not a bad thing. I went and got more experience, yeah. and I think it actually helped me when I did my training to have a bit more life experience, a bit more yes. worldly wise, and. Yeah. So yeah, uh, got onto the clinical training course, which again was another another challenge. <laughs> yeah. Was that in Manchester? Yeah, so it was at the yeah. University of Manchester, and and in the training you kind of work in different specialties, which mm-hmm. is great. So you can get a feel about what your passions are, what you feel that you work well with, and for me, it's always been working with adults, generally adults kind of with mental health difficulties. Yeah, that's always been a passion of mine, and so. The training course enabled me to kind of get experience in doing that and apply for jobs following the training. So then straight out of my training course, I worked for a veteran service. Oh, right. Yeah, so it covers the northwest of England. And it was brilliant, that service. It's, it's a really kind of modern kind of mental health service, mm. which was great to kind of see and be a part of. So I was working with veterans from all over the northwest who experienced yeah. trauma difficulties, adjustment problems problems with drugs and alcohol, domestic violence, so a real kind of array of presentations. And that was really great for me because I found it really interesting, but also kind of um, it gave me a variety of kind of difficulties to gain experience and work in. In, And again, in quite a kind of more kind of forward um, focused way in terms of um, how we communicated with clients and where we saw people in the community and it was a bit just... more recovery focused do you think yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and it was you know it wasn't an easy client group to work with because of all difficulties that we face mm. but again you know it felt really important to advocate for a group of people who in the past have been kind of quite disadvantaged really and kind of not been focused so that was a brilliant experience for me and then I moved on to work in central Manchester with again quite a complex client group delivering psychological therapies again and this was the job that kind of helped me to really embed my kind of knowledge and experience and work with lots of different presentations and 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 more and more as the years have gone on I found that people don't often just present present with one difficulty no. you know there's just there's, it's just layered yeah. really and I think um, do you have a particular approach that you've kind of worked towards yeah I have, I have a couple of approaches really that I lean towards generally I practice compassion focused therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy both of those what I really like about that approach is that they are what we would say kind of transdiagnostic you don't necessarily need to have a particular problem mm. you know it works across the board and it works with kind of not just the symptoms people experience but some of the underlying issues that are going on as well can be explored mm. And so working in Manchester, I started doing work in private practice as well um, to balance my life out, really. You know, it's quite intense working in the NHS. Um, I wanted to have a bit more of a good work-life balance and then so kind of entered into the world of of working for myself as well. And that's been great because it's allowed me the opportunity to be a bit more creative in my approaches, you know, not just doing one-to-one therapy, but doing groups and Skype therapy. You've been doing the workshops, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing that I love doing. I feel really passionate. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky that as a psychologist, I've been able to train in these therapies and use a lot of the approaches myself. And I think that's been quite life-changing for me, actually. And I really do believe that as therapists, we need to be practicing what we preach. Yes, yeah, absolutely. From the inside out, learning. Uh, absolutely. Things. What kind of things have really kind of been helpful for you? I think initially I started doing my training in um, ACT therapy, acceptance yeah. and commitment therapy. And 
I think I have a tendency to be a worrier. So one of my temperaments right. is, is prone to worrying. And, I, and I'd noticed this in myself. And yeah. I found that a lot of the techniques used in acts were really helpful in helping me kind of just allow some of those thoughts to be there, not engage with them and not get pulled into them too much. Right. I think then knowing more about compassion focused therapy, it's always kind of been in the background for my work because my my first ever supervisor and assistant was Mary Welford, who mm. is the chair of the Compassionate Mind Foundation. She's so our supervisor, isn't she it? Is, we're kind yeah, of Mary yeah. fans. Aren't we, we are. We are. <laughs> She'll love that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so she was my first supervisor back in 2014. Right. So it's always been there for me, but actually, been able to do the introductory training and the advanced training. It started to fit more with me in terms of looking at my own life experiences, mm. how they impact on how, how I see the world, and also how I treat myself. And I think yeah. that I just feel very strongly that if you're going to do this work with clients, you know, you have to, it has to be authentic, and you have to truly kind of mm. believe that it's that it's helpful and that yeah. it, and it works. And I think unless you do that for yourself, it's quite difficult to. Yeah, because your experience of of the therapy is is what people really want to know about isn't it yeah you know and And I think clients can tell when it's coming from a place of authenticity rather than a kind of I suppose someone fitting into a box in some way and and kind of yeah it kind of being a learned kind of I don't know a learned technique that we use on people I think yeah we can say you know I find this helpful or I don't find this helpful but you might and it's I think it opens more of a dialogue it's like working with the the self-critic and I've done loads of work on that I didn't think I was really that self-critical until I did the self-compassion training and then I was like oh hang on (laughs) do I talk to myself and then how I've kind of switched that around has been, you know, I can tell people it's, it's really hard. And even when yeah. I think I've cracked it, I haven't, and it comes back. And this absolutely, is, you know, yeah. it's that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and, and absolutely thinking about um, the workshops, um, yeah. one of the things that came out for me in terms of learning all this stuff that I felt that I was quite privileged to have learned all this mm. stuff. And how could we get kind of really helpful psychological knowledge and theory out there to the yes. general population because yeah. yeah. actually a lot of people don't want to go and see their GP they don't want yes. to go down through the NHS route they might want to engage in some therapy but they also might want to do something a bit more kind of low level kind of a bit yeah. self-development and and that's why I set up the groups originally the workshops because I kind of felt that this was information that I just kind of wanted to get out people there. People need to know, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. They, they might just be therapy curious or just want to improve the mindset. Like yeah. we go to the gym for our bodies, but we tend, we've been neglecting our mind, haven't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. But the workshops give people kind of a way in and getting that yeah. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's absolutely right. And someone, you know, I've just finished a set of workshops and we did the self-critic exercise and someone yeah. said to me, I didn't realise that just the little ways I speak to myself, just the tone of voice that I use or, you know, the kind yeah. of, names that I call myself sometimes I've really noticed this week that it's it's really there mm-hmm. and I think sometimes if we grow up with it or it becomes part of our life we don't necessarily tend to notice it no. and so one of the exercises in between the sessions that I did was right this week you just need to see if you can notice yourself critic and then we're going to learn a bit more about what we can maybe do with that when we notice it and it was amazing actually how powerful that was for people that exercise mm-hmm. in kind of realizing that they would never speak to a friend the way yes. that they internally yeah. speak to themselves. Yeah. And that's a big part in my therapy, I think, that I do with people, you know. Can you ever imagine talking to yourself or to, to, to talk to a friend in that way? And it's and you think, what is the, yeah, what the motivation yeah. is for why they don't do that. Yeah, yeah exactly, and then, yeah. Yeah, so, to yeah. evaluate. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, um, it's 
really exciting, I think, to be able to get that kind of work. Is it more powerful in a group setting as well, do you find? I think it's mixed. It depends on who comes to the group. One of the big aspects of the feedback, because I get feedback after every workshop. Yeah. It's quite daunting putting the form out there. But it's really really important to hear. And it's so interesting that I've done ACT workshops and I've done CMT workshops. And the common theme for both of them was about being around other other people and hearing experiences, mm. sharing experiences. Now, they're not therapy groups, but people do use examples, and I use examples mm. about my life, but there's something about that kind of, and in, in CFT we would call that common humanity, yes. that we are all going through our own thing. We live in this world, we all have struggles, you know, none of us asked to be born into this situation. And, and actually, I think hearing other people kind of share some of that is incredibly normalising and it's incredibly incredibly powerful actually. So I think if you are the sort of person that feels able to sit around others, I think it can be really powerful. Because we all kind of think that everybody else has got it together and it's just me, isn't it? And I think as a therapist, that's the one thing that I've really learned, that everybody's got their story, everybody's got their struggles. I really feel like I really know that. But I think there's so many people that come in and think, it's just me that's doing this. Everybody else is getting on with stuff. And and that's the one thing you can completely demonstrate in groups, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You can say that in one one therapy but also in the groups you can you know you can hear it from other people as well and I think you're right as a therapist we were quite lucky to be able to be made aware of it but actually many people aren't you know aware that everyone has got their own stuff going on Um, it doesn't make us any weaker or you know any less successful in life Mm. it makes us normal absolutely Um, I'd be more worried about the person that says they haven't got anything going on yeah it's and it's really powerful and so I kind of love the ability now I'm working fully in private practice to be able to do the groups and the one-to-one therapy. Yeah, you sound really passionate about uh, yeah, it. No. <laughs> How are you finding doing Skype therapy? Because I guess lots of people don't even realise that you can have therapy on Skype yeah, now, can't you? Yeah. Which I think, because of the way we're working and stuff, is going to get more and more popular. Lots of people work abroad and it's yeah. another way to access therapy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think at the start, before I did Skype therapy, I always thought, you know, I think I had my own views that it can't be the same as in the therapy room. Yes. How's that going to work? I was really nervous. I was yeah. so nervous. It was my anxieties, I think, about it. And, and I just thought, you know what? This is, this is a really important step to take because I think you're right. If we want to help more people access mm. therapy, there needs to be more flexibility in it. So for yes. the Skype therapy, a lot of the clients that I see work abroad or live abroad. Mm. They can't commit to being in one venue each week because of their... Um, yeah. you know their work commitments or family commitments and so when I do my Skype therapy I work quite flexibly so I do some evening appointments so we can you know it kind of tends to work around people mm-hmm. the more and more I did it it actually you know once you you sort of lose in your mind the idea that it's across a computer screen and you fully focus in on the person in front of you you know it's not exactly the same no, but there's but so much that yeah, can be you get into your groove don't you yeah absolutely and you yeah. still connect emotionally yeah. and you still feel people's yes. emotion yeah. and I think really at the core of therapy that's what for me it's about yeah it's about that connection and feeling that within that therapeutic relationship you you kind of get that person you understand that person and it can be done across the other side of the world yeah it's amazing Um, yeah yeah and I've worked with people that can't get to couldn't have got to a therapy room because of anxiety or physical health problems that so so it's increasing access we've got to get more varied and how 
therapy is to live it, isn't yeah. it? Which is kind of my motivation behind developing the CBT journal, yeah, you the workshops that, you know, I do very small amount of Skype work, but mm-hmm. I can see that increasing. Yeah. So, yeah. and we've got to be ready to constantly evolve and change. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, you want to kind of really try and think about how, how to move forward traditional therapy, really. Yes. And I think there's absolutely a place for it. And, you yes. know, it's really valuable. But I also think, like we say, the world's changing a lot. And I think that I've been really pleasantly surprised by the Skype therapy. And yeah. it's just kind of part of my everyday life now. So I have, you know, quite a few clients who I see over Skype. And work really enjoy it really That's really, really work well because I bet people are like god I've never even heard of this yeah yeah and it's you know it's getting that out there and like people know that, it, yeah. that it's around for people yeah um, and yeah. I think that's going to be the next challenge really kind of yeah. helping people to see that there are different options out there yeah what's the company you work for in case people want to oh, yeah sorry um, so it's a renew psychology and well-being services right um I'm, I'm on facebook and just dr hannah taylor clinical psychologist right. so i try and kind of update that with what i'm doing and what do you think then the pull for you to work with people and people's distress because it's a really interesting career <laughs> decision <Yeah>. isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and you know if yeah. you've done the compassion focus work i guess you've done quite a lot of self-exploration yeah yeah I think that for me it's been an ongoing process of my own self-exploration as well and you know it's very interesting you sort of you don't think why you go into this career I think I I would would joke and say oh you know I just like to know what people are doing I'm a bit nosy that really high curiosity levels I've got that yeah Yeah. absolutely I'm intrigued how the mind works But I also, you know, I think part of my, I'd hope to think that part of my nature and my personality is to help people. You know, I think you can't go into this job purely to help people because I think that it could, you could burn out. You know, yes, it's, yeah. it's, that's, that's, it's a massively important factor of it. Your self-care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got to have a passion for it. You've got to be interested. You've got to kind of have a, a desire to learn more. But our minds are the tools we're working with, aren't they? I think Mary talks about yeah. that quite a bit. So we've got to kind of look after our yeah. minds yeah. so that it's it can be as present as possible for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think that, you know, um, you notice that work is more challenging when your own if you have this when your own self-care starts to deteriorate or something's happening in life you know and I think one of the important things is when you've got a you've got good people around you and a good supervisor you you can be more aware and and acknowledge when you're not doing so well and what you need to put into place to look after yourself and you know like say we we are in a very privileged position to be helping people with their minds so I think we as a necessity Mm -hmm. have to look after our own minds yes yeah in order to do that yeah, it's part of our work, isn't yeah. it? I, I, I believe that yeah. to be true. And I think, you know, doing our own, you know, not all therapists do this, but doing our own therapy, actively practicing the things that we yeah. talk to clients about. And like you say, it's not always easy. Yeah. You know, but, you know, we struggle just as much as other people struggle, but it's about knowing why we need to do it. And I think if you can keep that in mind, it's really mm. important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how do you think you hold pe- manage holding people's distress? You know, if you have a few clients, a busy clinic one day, you know, people often ask, how do you do your job? Yeah. And listen, yeah. managing all that distress. I think, you know, over the years, I've noticed a difference in that. So I, I, I vividly remember when I first started working on the wards, like the, the impact of people's distress. And that's high distress. Yes. You know, I, I just felt it. I felt it when I went home. I think about it at night you know it's constantly there 
I think as time goes on, you become more able to... I don't think I ever fully separate myself from work. You know, I do hold clients in mind. You know, I do think about work, I think about clients, but I think I'm more able to try and separate work and life out in a way yeah. where I have good supervision. So stuff's bothering me. I've got to my mind, I'm holding someone's distress. You know, I will talk through that with somebody. Yeah. I think that the skills that I hopefully bring to clients, I use myself. Mm. You know, I think... Are there any particular skills that you'd say that you use regularly? So kind of what techniques? Yeah, or or how you manage your stress or things that you've kind of put in place on an ongoing... Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that I learned a lot about, and I think I learned a lot, a lot about this in my own therapy, was the importance of kind of prioritising self-care mm. and it not being selfish. Yeah, there's that really yes, kind of yeah. classic line of self-care is not selfish. But I think after a bit of exploration, I, I thought that's what I, I used to think it was. Mm. But so I know now when I'm able to say, I need a bit of time out for myself. And that might be to go and read a magazine. It might be to just watch mm. something on TV. It might be to go and have a coffee and read my book. So I do really try and fit that into my life. Yeah, you're a busy mum as well. You've got two yeah, little ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, well, it makes it even more important. Actually, and I, yes, you know, my... Yeah you know I have support where I'm able to do that and I'm very lucky I think kind of so it's really important to have that in my mind about needing to take time out if I need it and doing the things that are good for me and being around people that are good for me yeah that's been quite a major kind of shift in my life as well kind of recognizing who I can be around who I feel kind of you know at ease with or energised by whatever it may be and just allowing myself to be surrounded by those people but also allowing time on my own is quite important for me Mm. Um, I like so a good balance of really connected and really quiet (laughs) yeah absolutely you know I like to be on my own a lot so I think I have to kind of actively seek out the right people to be around as well I I really regularly use a really basic breathing technique that we use in compassion focused therapy which we, we call soothing breathing it's kind of got me through a lot of tricky situations, I would say, you know, and it's Can you part... tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, on a really basic level, it's yeah. about kind of when we notice we're being kind of hooked into a tricky emotion, whether that be anxiety or anger, you know, stress, it's really about just kind of noticing that and, and slowing down our breath. And, and that, that, that rate is dependent on the person and what's comfortable for them. But really, it's about kind of finding a rate that feels soothing. It's it's slowing down the breath and trying to get kind of an even uh, kind of pace to it. I don't really kind of explain it as any more than that because I think it's individual to each people. You know, some people think about counting with your breath, and it might be yeah. that a count of three or four might be helpful. Some people all that. It's just so helpful that when if you can spot an emotion that's going to get you stressed or agitated, that we all go into our mind, don't we? If we go yeah. into our body. That simple shift, it really yeah. is the basics that make the big difference, isn't and, it? Yeah, and I think when I kind of say this to people and talk yeah. about the breathing, it sounds so obvious. You know, everyone's going to take a deep yeah. breath, but but actually the, the reality of practising it, and practising it not just when you need it in those moments of stress, but on a daily basis, it yeah. can just be when you're driving along in the car or walking down the road, and you're sort of training your mind to be able to access this technique that you yeah. have at times of stress you know and I think if we can practice that when we're feeling calm and at ease our mind more easily is able to access it when we're not 
Yes. And, yeah. and I think for me, I've used that breath in meetings where I felt stressed yes. out. I've yeah. used it in clients when I might have felt anxious. Yeah. You know, if, if, if there's a particularly distressing session or, you know, someone's particularly angry, you know, I think it's my responsibility to be able to hold that and contain it. Yeah. And so in order to do that, I have to look yes. after myself in those moments. Yeah. and because especially anger is designed to pull a very big response, isn't absolutely. it? And as therapists, we have to train ourselves to have a different response to anger so we can work with it and, and stay with it and be compassionate with it. Yeah, absolutely, and understand it and kind of make sense yeah. of it for that person. And so, yeah, I think for me, that, that's been a particularly helpful... Have you seen the Alan Watkins video, How to Be Brilliant Every Day? It's on Jim Cheese. It's really good. It's When I talk to clients about that, so, because... I, I don't know. Everybody says, you know, you go to therapy to teach you relaxed breathing and people can, can yeah. roll their eyes a little yes, bit. Yeah, absolutely. So what Alan Watkins has done is he um, is doing a workshop. He pulls somebody out of the audience, hooks them up to a um, heart monitor and stresses them out with okay. math tests. And you see their heart going all over the place. Yeah. Then he gets them to do a really basic breathing technique. Yeah. And you see their heart come down, settle out, and then be able to answer the maths questions. So it really demonstrates scientifically how being stressed impacts the body and impacts how we think and operate cognitively. And I think like that's a really important point because as I learned more about compassion focused therapy and (laughs) that it's grounded in kind of um, it's grounded in science and. I think that for clients is really helpful because what it does is it kind of puts their difficulties into some sort of scientific context. Because before, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I used it a lot working in the veteran service and I think it would help clients to recognise that this was something happening in their brain, which was no fault of their own. You know, they've been through some incredibly difficult experiences, you know, traumatic life experiences, traumatic events, serving in the army, but actually, they could see it in that context. And I think it took a lot of the shame away from their yeah. difficulties. It's but it was our fault. Yeah, it was no yeah. surprise that their brain was struggling because look at what they've been through. Yeah. And I think then you can then shift to say, you know, this is how it is. It can absolutely change. You know, we can do some work to help with this. And, and although it's not our fault, we can take responsibility for making those changes. And I think that's quite empowering as well. Mm. And so, yeah, it being grounded in that kind of scientific, kind of biological, the brain yes. and body response, I think it really helps normalise yeah. difficulties and, and, and de-shame the problems yeah. that people that people yeah. come with. But this is just how we're wired up yeah. and it's just about training it yeah. to be more helpful for us because it's it's almost we've got out-of-date wiring, haven't we, yeah. unfortunately? Yeah, absolutely. The modern world. And I think I take a lot of that on for myself as well and thinking about, you know, we're all born with different temperaments yeah. and we have different life experiences and, and the combination of those things kind of is what makes us who we are. And mm. if we can start accepting some of that and then taking the responsibility to work on that, that, again, I think it feels quite empowering. Yeah. It helps us feel that there's something we can do about it. And yeah. I think that's sometimes what people most want. They want to, they don't want to feel kind of hopeless. Or out of control. Or out of control, yeah. yeah. And that this is how life will be. Yeah. And I think it's really important to help people feel empowered that there is something that they can do. And it might be hard, and it will be hard, and it'll be yeah. a challenge. But we can kind of help. And sometimes it's, what's tricky is people want a big kind of technique or something, and it is the simple stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 
there isn't the magic. There is. We don't do magic, do we? Or no, absolutely. Just, yeah. And it's hard it's, work. It is. You yeah, know, and, think, and you have to keep going, and it's training yeah. the mus- muscles, isn't it? Training. Yeah. Different parts of our brain. And yeah, and I think I use the analogy a lot of kind of you know if you broke your arm, the muscle that was kind of mm. under that cast would would kind of waste away. And you know if you want to rebuild that, you're going to have to start kind of working at it every day. You can't go to the gym once, pick up the weight, and then expect to have big changes. But if you went to the gym every day and did a little exercise, you know, on that arm, mm. you're going to start noticing a difference over time. And I think that's kind of how we should think about our brains, really. Yeah. There's an area of our brain that hasn't been used as much, like our kind of soothing system that helps us feel calm and more content. If it's not been used much in our life, you know what we need to do is, is strengthen it and, and build it yeah. up again and use that muscle. So it's quite a nice analogy, that really. Yeah, this is, it's an ongoing thing, and if we kind of stop doing it again, it might kind of start wasting away a bit, yeah. talking about the muscle. So it's quite a nice analogy, that, to help people see that, yeah, it is a continuous thing, but that's kind of a way of life, that, that maybe that needs to be a way of life, and that's going yeah. to help prevent us from maybe becoming a bit more derailed in the future if something happens. Yeah, kind of protecting ourselves really, being as resilient as we possibly yeah. can. Yeah, in our lives, it's really hard and throws a lot of challenges at us, and yeah. can be unexpected. And yeah. so, yeah. Is there anything day to day that often we recommend, kind of books or videos? Is there kind of key things that you find yourself going to with people? Any kind of um, resources that, that people find helpful? I think it depends on what people are coming to me for, and I tend to see a lot of. I don't know whether it's because it's just happened to naturally go that way, but I see a lot of men and women and I work a lot on kind of quite inherent difficulties with self-worth and self-confidence. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, initially people come and say they've got self-esteem problems, but when we explore it, it's often much more deep-rooted than that. Right. And people who've been, you know, who are very frightened of showing their vulnerabilities and looking mm-hmm. like they're weak and what they would describe as weak and... So one of the things I get a lot of, especially the women I work with to watch, is a TED Talk by Brené Brown, oh, um, The Power of Vulnerability. It resonates with a lot of my clients, that mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're frightened of kind of showing their true, authentic self. You know, most of us are, and Absolutely, that's what stops us yeah. connecting. You know, there's a fear of rejection, there's a fear yeah. of not fitting in. I know that when I've talked to uh, Mary, our supervisor, about this, you know, one of the parts of that TED Talk which... Uh, I, you know, I agree with all of it. It's brilliant. Yeah. But there's one part in it about saying, you know, you can't have compassion for other people unless you can have compassion for yourself. And actually, yeah, I find yeah. that's not necessarily true. I think we have worked with some incredibly compassionate people who are amazing. But they have to one rule for others and another Absolutely, for others. Yeah. So I care and I'm compassionate to everybody around me, but me, I don't eat well and I don't yeah. self care. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. So that's the one little caveat in that, which I always say to yeah. people, but it's a brilliant it's a brilliant I think talk. every three months you need to book watching that in. Yeah. I get yeah, something totally. <laughs> gets me out of it every time. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched her video on kind of working with criticism last night. Oh, yeah. Really yeah, cool. yeah. And I like you know I like kind of listening to podcasts and yeah. you know she she's got some really good books that have resonated yeah. with a lot of the women that I work with. Yeah. But then also there's the um, Russell Colt's TED Talk on anger and oh, compassion. Yeah. And I found that to be really helpful for some of the men that I work with yeah. who are presenting with anger difficulties. Because Russell's experienced anger, hasn't it? It comes from a place yeah. of experience. I think I had a little yeah. boy and thought... I do not want to be an angry dad. Yeah, yeah, so that's rude. the taking responsibility. Yeah. You know, it's not about shaming and saying this is problematic. It's saying, you know, this is happening for various reasons, and I need to now take responsibility for this because I'm a dad or whatever. Yeah. So I really like that one as well. I find TED talks are great. 
Yeah. You know, because they're kind of not too long for clients to watch. You know, they can get the message across quite quickly by the nature of what they are. Um, there's another great one on uh, the power of body, you know, body language, and that's Amy Cuddy. And I talk to a lot of clients about that because a lot of the work in CFT that we do is about how we hold ourselves mm. and our posture and our facial expression. Mm. And I think that can help kind of consolidate some of the work that we do in sessions as well. So, yeah. yeah. Your body provides feedback to your brain. So if you're all yeah. hunched over and kind and of cowering, yeah, yeah. you send one message. And isn't there a thing where if you put a pen in your mouth, it makes you smile and your mood improves? Yeah, there's something about, there was a, there was yeah. a study that was done about holding a pen in the mouth in a different way and the both groups watched something funny, but the group that were holding the pen in a smiling kind of way, their response, they yeah. found it funnier, if that makes yeah. sense. So we see things in a different way, if physiologically, and we're all, all physically, we're holding ourselves differently. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Again, it's, it's amazing, kind of based in science, and I like that, because yeah. it, it gives people something to kind of hook onto and to hold onto. That's why I struggle. I think we've talked about my um, public speaking thing, and that's <laughs> my body posture is one thing you'll if you see me public speak ever which might never happen but I'll be confident looking as anything because I'm doing yeah. that body posturing yeah really, absolutely really strange but, it's, <laughs> but really I just find yeah. it really helpful to do something different to what my emotion is but you yeah. know it sends those different messages it's so powerful isn't it yeah absolutely. if somebody was considering therapy because I mean we're quite busy lots of people are coming for therapy but when I've been to therapy I found it a really nerve-wracking thing and I just think oh there must be loads of people that kind of think oh it might be helpful for me and might be struggling to get into therapy what would you advise Mm. somebody who's considering it is there any advice that you would maybe in terms of how they find a therapist or yeah I mean I'm a bit evangelical (laughs) I should be really because I'm a therapist but I think it was absolutely life-changing for me doing my own therapy so having so if you had your own therapy yes yeah yeah. two two lots of therapy two different life events happened to me and the first time I thought you know I need to go and seek some help and it's so interesting because actually the therapy that I had didn't really relate to the life event you know it kind of almost opened up something else which which was brilliant and then I you nervous going oh god yeah I didn't want to be in the waiting room I didn't want people to see me all these things that you know these kind of prejudices that come out and I, 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 the powerful thing about it was that I learned to be on the other side, you know, yeah. of, of the, the, the room, the chairs. I was incredibly nervous about it. I think one of the biggest fears that I think happens, and I think that's just from feedback from clients and also about myself, is the fear of what if I can't handle it? What if it's too painful? What if some of the stuff that I know is there when I actually talk about it feels too difficult and yeah. you know I think that's a, a massive fear like you're unleashing something yeah. that you can't might yeah. not be able to settle down yeah but I think actually the act of talking about some of that stuff and getting some of that stuff out is what sets us free a bit more yes. and allows yeah. us to sort of see it differently and allows us to get an external kind of viewpoint on mm. it and I still remember some of the really powerful things that my therapist said to me that will always stick in my mind yeah and it might not be that you remember every single thing that was said every week but, you know, I had some real take-home messages that have stayed with me. Yeah. And so I think if, if someone was thinking about it, I would absolutely understand their anxieties. I think it can be helpful to get a recommendation. You know, you might feel a bit safe, in safer hands if you yes. know that someone else yeah. has been through it. I think that if you can allow yourself to feel uncomfortable and tolerate that in the first instances, mm-hmm. it would hopefully be absolutely worth it and be a good experience for someone. 
Um, but I think it takes a lot of courage. Yes. You yeah. know, I just think so highly of people that just put themselves out there and say, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to the point where I felt able to do it. And I think that I'm a much better person. I think I'm a better therapist and I think I'm yeah. a much better person for it. So, yeah, I think that what I would say is try and hold that feeling of, of anxiety in relation to it and just kind of stay with it a bit yeah. and just kind of keep moving in that way that you want to be going forward because you hope with a good experience and a good therapist that it will make a big difference. Absolutely. Um, and it shouldn't be as strange as people think it is you know in America we've talked about this yes. people have like a lifelong therapist it's quite a different model to what we would use mm. but I love the fact that it's not stigmatizing that yeah. it's actually part of looking after themselves like you'd have a doctor you'd like to have a yeah. dentist like you'd have a personal trainer I was or a gym talking membership. to somebody that's over in America and she has a th- therapist in that way she said I just go every couple of weeks and it's like having a big hug yeah and she said and that's like she said I just want to see her for the rest of my life yeah. it's just yeah they use it very differently yeah absolutely yeah. and I, I think there's something nice about you know I think about the therapy I've had and the ability to access that when you might need it in the future for yes. a, a booster yeah. session or a bit of a review or yeah. just to check you're still on track and I think it's nice to have that kind of I suppose I wouldn't call it a safety net but I would call it that actually someone knows me, someone knows my story, it feels safe and I might just need a bit of a boost every yeah. so often. I think yeah. that that model tends to be more yeah. what we work with like in the UK, I think. But that I feel quite passionate about trying somehow to just get that message out to people that this this that is a our show. mind is as important as our physical health. Yeah, There's no getting away from it. Our head is attached to our body. <laughs> and they both need yeah. equal amounts of care. Absolutely. Yeah. And kind of just to, to help people to see that it's okay. Like it's actually, you know, it takes more courage to seek help. Like it's mm. it's an amazing quality to 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 say, right, I'm gonna do this and look after yeah. myself. You know, I kind of admire people that do yes. that. Yeah. And I think that's the way it should be. It, it, it would be great if it was that way yeah. and maybe hopefully we're going that way you know the conversation about mental health is much more oh, open now yeah, which is fantastic yeah but you know it's just going to take a bit of time I think yeah but hopefully this is part of the process getting more yeah. podcasts out there like this yeah, absolutely <laughs> well that has been absolutely fantastic I think we've covered absolutely all the points so just remind me again if people want to get in touch with you is it Facebook at the moment yeah. but soon your website will be kind of out there yeah yeah so Facebook it's just Dr Hannah Taylor clinical psychologist and you'll find all my email details contact numbers on there and then the website for it's going to be Renew Psychology and Wellbeing Services thank you very much Hannah